I invite you to turn in your text, in your Bibles, to our Old and New Testament lessons. Our Old Testament lesson is found in Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 32. Isaiah 32 is found on page 704. And then our New Testament lesson is found in Ephesians chapter 2. It's found on page 1160 if you're using the Bible provided in the pew. Isaiah 32, I'll read verses 1 and 2 and then 16 through 18. This is God's holy word. He is speaking to us. Listen to what he says. Behold, a king will reign in righteousness, and the princes will rule in justice. Each will be like a hiding place from the wind, a shelter from the storm, like streams of water in a dry place, like the shade of a great rock in a weary land. Now let's look at verse 16. Then justice will dwell in the wilderness, and righteousness will abide in the fruitful field, and the effect of righteousness will be peace, and the result of righteousness, quietness, and trust forever. Now consider with me Ephesians chapter 2. While uh, Isaiah tells us about peace, the Apostle Paul tells us who is our peace. Speaking of Jesus, look at verse 14, he says, For he himself is our peace, who made us both one and who has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in the ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father, so then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. This is the word of God. Let's pray. Father, it was declared that what we just heard is the word of God. And we, we responded by saying, thanks be to you, O God. Thank you, O God for giving us this word. Thank you, O oh God, for trusting us with the truth of your word. Thank you for giving us Jesus Christ, who is the author and perfecter of our faith. Thank you for giving us this opportunity to sit and to consider your word. We thank you for Jesus, the Prince of Peace. As we consider 
your word this morning. Separate us from distracting thoughts and competing desires. Give us ears that hear your word. Protect the speaker of your word. Guard me from adding to or taking away anything that's found in your word. And Father, we pray that as a result of our gathering today, that two things would occur. Your name would be exalted, and your word would be exalted. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This is the second Sunday of Advent. We celebrate, as was read uh, during the lighting of the Advent candle, we celebrate the fact that we can enjoy peace. I'm going to read for the third time this morning a portion from Isaiah chapter 9. And as you hear this, I want you to listen, please, for these things. Listen first for the person of peace. Listen secondly for the uh, extent of peace. How long will this peace reign? And then thirdly, listen for words used to describe what peace looks like in a community of faith. And those words are uh, righteousness and just, justice, judgment and justice. Listen for those words. Here again what Isaiah said in Isaiah chapter 9. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful God, mighty, Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of its government and peace, there will be no end. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and justice from that time forth and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. You will notice that in this text, peace first gives us the person of peace. The prince of peace describes the person of, of peace. Prince uh, merely describes his authority. A prince describes the fact that God has authority over peace. That is not a peace that the world gives and defines. It is a peace that God himself gives and defines. Jesus said so in John chapter 14. Listen to these words. He spoke this to his disciples when he was preparing to leave them. He said this, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. The peace of God uh, gives us the opportunity to rest in his sovereign care, so that even though we are distressed and we have worry, we don't have to remain in that. We don't have to be afraid. We don't have to remain in fear. We don't have to remain in trouble because of the peace of God. And then secondly, notice that the increase of peace. Peace has no end. And it's, it's not because we want it desperately. Did you notice? Isaiah said, peace will have no end because the Lord of hosts, because of the zeal of the Lord of hosts. 
the other way, another way to say this, because of the zeal of the God of might, mighty God, because of that, we have peace. And did you notice the words judgment and justice? Judgment and justice describes what happens when people who live in a community under which God reigns, under which the God of peace reigns, this is evident in our community. So let me define first what is peace. Uh, peace in the Old Testament comes from the Hebrew word shalom. Shalom occurs over 250 times in 213 verses. And there are two parts to shalom. The first is this. Shalom is the absence of strife. Now often in the Old Testament, the perspective is a kingdom perspective. It's not necessarily an individual perspective, but it's a kingdom perspective. So shalom in the kingdom of God, in the community of God, means this. It reflects the safety of the nation under the rule of a faithful king. Our church vision statement says we commend the greatness of God in Jesus Christ to all peoples and all generations. We are a community of faith. We celebrate the faithfulness of God, but we not only celebrate the faithfulness, we commend, we tell each other, he is worthy of our trust. He is worthy of our worship. He is worthy of our joy. And we tell everyone in the communities in which we live, we, we are in Augusta, Georgia, and we live in an environment where God's grace can be seen. Uh, whether we live in Augusta, in Evans, in Martinez, in South Carolina, wherever God has planted us, we are members of this community of faith in which the peace of God reigns. It's also, uh, shalom also means completeness and wholeness. And this relates to our relationship with God. This relates with how we approach God with confidence of knowing that God sees us from a certain perspective. It's not the perspective of wrath and anger. It is the perspective of peace and quietness and affection because of the peace of Christ. Because, and I'm going to talk about this a little later. Paul explains why all this is true. But because of the peace of Christ, we are whole. We are complete. That aspect of peace we celebrate. Now, both of these aspects are found in uh, uh, Isaiah chapter 32. Isaiah chapter 32 uh, mentions what it looks like to live in an environment where peace reigns. Let me say a little bit about Isaiah 32. Isaiah 31 and 32 go together. In Isaiah 31, Isaiah warns the people. He says, woe to you who put your trust in Egypt. And he lists all of the things that are woeful to the uh, people of Judah because they're putting their trust in Egypt. And in chapter 32, he gives the blessing of what a community looks like under the leadership of a righteous king. Often in the Old Testament, 
When woes are presented, blessings are presented. The absence of God's grace looks like this, and the presence of God's grace looks like this. And we're going to look at the presence of God's grace. We believe that the king mentioned in verse 1 of chapter 32 of Isaiah is Hezekiah. Hezekiah's name means God strengthens. He was a faithful king. The writer to 2 Kings said this about Hezekiah. Listen, it said, There was no one like him among all the kings of Judah after him or among those who were before him. And one of the reasons uh, he was so highly regarded is because he led the people of God into acts of righteousness. He tore down places of worship where God was not honored. He built up uh, the worship in uh, the temple. Uh, there are two words we'll see in uh, Isaiah chapter 32. Look again with me at um, verse 1. Isaiah 32 verse 1. The word of God says, Behold, a king will reign in righteousness, and princes will rule in justice. Righteousness and justice. Righteousness is a conformity to an ethical or moral standard. That's what it means. It means that there is a standard of right. It's clearly defined. Uh, another way of saying this in the Old Testament, uh, one way it was uh, communicated was through the lens of commerce, where it would say correct weights and measurements. I, I think of this often when I go to Costco. I go to Costco to get my gas, and I go there because it's the cheapest place that I know around here. If you know of any cheaper place, let me know after the service. Don't tell me now, but after the service. And whenever I um, pump my gas, and I'm, I'm looking at my money going in the gas, I mean the gas going into the gas tank, I think about um, that sign on gas pumps that assure me that the measurement of the pump is accurate. So I know that a gallon of gas that they say on the pump is actually going into my tank. That's the measurement of righteousness. And what Isaiah is saying here is in the place where God's king reigns, righteousness is evident. In the community, there's a standard of right, and people live according to that standard. And in that standard, there's safety. The other thing that's present is the princes will rule in justice. Uh, justice is the righteous exercise of government. But even the way that we, we uh, live our affairs is done in a just way. That God's peace meets everything, touches every area of our lives corporately. Now, verse 15 picks up on this king and repeats the theme of justice and righteousness. But here we'll see the evidence of peace. Look at verse 15 of chapter 32. Verse 15 says this, Until the Spirit is poured out upon us from on high, 
and the wilderness becomes a fruitful field, and the fruitful field is deemed a forest. Then justice will reign in the wilderness, and righteousness abide in the fruitful field. And the effect of righteousness, of righteousness will be peace. I want you to notice that this is for us the explanation of shalom. Shalom meaning wholeness. Uh, did you notice that verse 15 talked about the Spirit of God? The Spirit of God turned what was a wilderness into a, a place of, of fruitful field, what was a wasteland into a place of um, wholeness. Uh, I want you to think for a moment of um, the Garden of Eden, because what's expressed here, I think, takes us back to the Garden of Eden. In the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve tended a garden. And it was a beautiful garden. In this church, I understand there are master gardeners, and master gardeners envy uh, the Garden of Eden, because in the Garden of Eden, there were no thorns or thistles. And work in the garden was a delight. Uh, it was not by the sweat of your brow. Uh, work was wonderful. Uh, tomorrow is Monday. And for some of us, that means uh, return to work. Uh, Adam would go, yes, Monday, because he couldn't wait to work. Work was a blessing because the peace of God reigned. We understand that because of sin, what was good became difficult. What was wonderful became a struggle. And what Isaiah is saying here is what was a wilderness? Because of the Spirit of God, he made it a fruitful field. He made it wonderful. And not only that, that latter part of Isaiah chapter 9 where it says, and peace will increase, the fruitful field, uh, the wilderness will become a fruitful field. And the fruitful field, a forest. What he's saying there is, peace will not end. The peace of God will increase. It will grow. It will be vibrant. And it touches every area of life. The second part, uh, righteousness will abide in the fruitful field. Uh, that's shalom, the absence of conflict. Righteousness abiding in the fruitful field. In Isaiah chapter 5, Isaiah spends time judging Judah because God made them a vineyard and in their vineyard, they, re, they um, produce wild grapes. They were not what God designed them to be. What he's doing here is celebrating the fact that God has made them a fruitful vine. He's made them a peace, a place of joy and, 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 and uh, righteousness. It's a reversal of the fall. It's a place where both justice and righteousness is a result of a faithful king's reign. Now let's look at what is righteousness and peace and what place 
does that have in, in our celebration? Look at verse 17. And the effect of righteousness will be peace, and the result of righteousness, quietness and trust forever. And my peace, my people, will abide in a peaceful habitation, in secure dwellings, and in quiet resting places. When righteousness and peace are used together, it normally signifies justification in God's eyes. It's so beautiful that the psalmist wrote in Psalm 62, excuse me, Psalm 85, he said this, Steadfast love and faithfulness meet, righteousness and peace kiss each other. That's close. That's intimacy. That's how close righteousness and peace belongs when it relates to the peace that God gives. Let me give a picture of the benefits of this wholeness that righteousness and peace gives. Um, we are whole because of peace. Isaiah, earlier on in his book, in Isaiah chapter 6, describes a time when he was in the presence of God. He said, in the year the king Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and exalted, and his train filled the temple. And the, and the uh, seraphim and, and cherubim were saying to one another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the temple shook. And Isaiah said, hallelujah, amen. No, actually the text tells us that Isaiah said, woe is me, for I am undone. I'm a man of unclean lips, and I dwell among a, a people of unclean lips. And I have seen the Lord, God Almighty. And what he was saying was this. In the presence of God, I come to a violent end. I am undone. And what he celebrates here in chapter 32 is when we come into the presence of God, we are whole. We are not undone. We are forgiven. We are cleansed. We are in the position, under the reign of a righteous king. And peace tells us that we don't have to shirk in fear. We celebrate in God's faithfulness. Some, uh, Isaiah 32 gives another uh, word picture. Quietness and trust. Quietness. That's, that's, a, that's a relief. That's an abiding quietness. I live uh, in a place that's um, quiet, uh, is beautiful, is uh, near Lake Osborne. Thank you. Olmstead. Yes. Okay. Osborne is in South Carolina somewhere. Um, it's quiet, and I'm at rest usually because I have an alarm system. Uh, it's on at night, and I have what I call the enforcer next to my bed, my, my bat. And so I, I can rest in, in quietness and peace. The other night, though, I heard something fall in the house. And I, I woke up, and 
I looked over, my wife was sleeping, and I was tempted for a second to go, hey, babe, <laughs> go see what it is. And then I thought, um, be, be a man. And so uh, I, I waited for a little while because I said, if, I'm thinking if the alarm didn't go off, nobody's in the house, and then I heard another noise again. And so I got up, and I put on my, I'm the man face, and you better be afraid of me. And I started to walk through the house. And as I walked through the house, I noticed that it was uh, the cats that we are blessed with having. I'm so happy to have those cats. We're blessed to have those cats. And it was the cats that did it. And I I walked back into my bedroom, and I laid down, and I said that I can have peace and trust in the fact that I walked through my house. That's not the peace and trust that I'm talking about. The peace and trust that I'm talking about goes deeper than someone maybe rummaging through your belongings. The peace and trust that Isaiah is talking about is what do we do when we face Almighty God? What do we do when we consider God's visage before us? What's the result of peace in that circumstance? There's a quietness and a trust. I think most of us demonstrated that when we bowed and prayed and asked God to forgive us of our trespasses, our debts, our relational debts, our offenses against his law, our failure to do what he's called us to do. We did not do that in fear. We did not do that uh, afraid that a vengeful God will strike us down. We did that because we know that Almighty God loves us and he calls us to himself and we can have a trust, a quietness and trust. That's what Isaiah is saying here. That is the result. That's the environment of peace because of what God provides. Trust, quietness. It's also a peaceful habitation, secure dwellings and a quiet resting Place. Those are pastoral uh, references. Uh, David said it a different way. Listen to the way that he said it. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Listen, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Why? Because of the peace of God that rests upon our community of faith. That's what we celebrate. That's the idea of our celebration. Now let me talk about the person of our celebration. Turn, if you will, so we'll close in Isaiah, uh, Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. Paul said, for he, Christ himself, is our peace who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself 
one new man in place of the two. Now let me talk about the two aspects of peace as we close and as how God relates that peace in our lives. Let me start with uh, um, first the absence of conflict. Uh, what Paul uh, referred to as the dividing wall of hostility, he was talking about the, um, the hostility between Jews and Gentiles. He was talking about that, that breakdown between one race and another. And, and Paul said, Jesus Christ destroyed that wall. He took that wall away. One of the evidences of um, that wall is found in archaeology. Um, there was a plaque that was discovered in the second temple that read this way. It read, um, pardon me, no, uh, no one of another race is to enter within the fence. And what it was saying was, if you're not Jewish, this is how far you can go and no farther. There was a division. There was a distinction. And the only person to break that is the Lord Jesus Christ. Peace means when Christ breaks down barriers, those barriers are gone. In our church, there are uh, many of us who celebrate peace by not allowing walls of hostility to be in the place of the way that we relate to one another relationally. And where that is present, I say, let peace increase. I say, hallelujah, and thank God for that. And there are some in our communities, and even in our community here in this church, where hostility still exists where those walls of hostility are still erected and we protect and provide those walls. We rest in those walls. And in my mind, I think that doesn't make sense. And here's why. Christ has already destroyed it. Why in the world would we try to protect it? It's gone. We are one in Jesus Christ. And I point to this table because in a few moments, we're going to celebrate that. Our ushers, when they pass out the elements, will not ask you where you live. They will not ask you your uh, ethnic background. They will not ask you to show the balance in your checkbook. They'll do none of those things because they recognize what Paul told us that we are one in Christ, and our significance is found in that. You know what makes me significant? It's not my last name, although McCurd is not a bad name. It's not where I live, although it's a great place. It's not where I work, although I love working here. This is fantastic. You know what makes me significant? I am in Christ. Everything else has been stripped away. That's what peace celebrates. Now, there's a second. Oh, this is a beautiful description. This is wholeness. When Jesus was on the cross doing the um, passion, he said this, My God, my God, show why you are forsaking me. 
And the Bible says at that time, the earth shook and those in graves were raised. But it also said this, the curtain in the temple tore from top to bottom. And what happened there when that curtain tore, it, separ- it removed the separation between God and his people. He came near to them. He broke down that wall. We have access to God. Uh, our choir, when they were there, they were singing songs magnificently well. And the songs did not bounce from the ceiling to the floor. They went to the throne room of God. And God heard. And he was excited. And when we joined him, them, he heard our singing. And he took joy in that. Why? Because we have access. We have access to God. And it's not because we're Presbyterian. It's not because... Uh, apparently, I said er- in the early service, we're in Augusta, New York. <laughs> I did say that. <laughs> I do know where I am. It's not because we're in Augusta, Georgia. It's not any of that. It's because Jesus Christ, who is our peace, broke down everything that separates us from him. And get this. And in doing that, he also broke down everything that separates us from each other. And he made us one. And we get to celebrate that. Shall we pray? Father, thank you for giving us a new identity. We are fellow citizens with the saints, and members of the household of God. And I thank you for that. We thank you that Jesus Christ is our peace, who has rescued us from hostility and provided us an identity as sons and daughters of God. Grant us rest in your grace and in the acknowledgement that you are wonderful counselor, mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.